The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning and welcome to everyone. Uh, my name is Allison Jacks. I'm the Associate Minister here at First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco and it's wonderful to have you with us this morning. Our worship service is a collective endeavor and I want to thank first our musicians, Reiko Odalane, our organist, Kaala Carmack, Rosalie Alfonso and Bill Klinghoffer, collectively known as the Grandview Drive-By Aloha Band, who are performing here for the first time in our sanctuary. So a special welcome to them. They'll be coming to you live from the chapel. We also want to thank Asher Davidson, our hymn leader, Jonathan Silk, our AV and sound expert, Eric Shackelford and Shu Leong on cameras, to Richard Davis Lowell, who's serving as our worship associate today, to Joe Chapeau, who is monitoring our chat and can answer questions to help you out and get you connected, to Thomas Brown, serving as our sexton this morning, to Athena Papadakos for our beautiful flower arrangement that is decorating our space today, and finally to Alex Starr, Les James, and Tom Brookshire, who are monitoring our virtual coffee hour on Zoom that will be following the service. If you're with us for the first time, I encourage you to download the order of service that you can find along in the chat and on our website to follow along. You can access it through the description in the video. It's posted in the chat and emailed to everyone who signs up for our newsletter. And so we begin by doing a lighting of our candle as we have each week since the stay at home orders have been in place since March 20. 19, 2020, 2019, <laughs> I've already forgotten. In honor of all of those who are bringing their spirit into this place today, while you may not be here in spirit, we feel you here with us today. We light this blue candle as a representation of those who are here in spirit.
chancel lighting. You'll find the words printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Our brief invitations today are quite brief. We, again, we want to welcome you to the service and that you can follow along by uh, uh, clicking on the description in the video. And again, to everyone who is receiving our newsletter, it will be emailed to you. You can also sign up to learn more about our congregation by clicking on the link for our connections forms that's found in the order of service and the video description. The Order of Service also lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect. And again, we hope you'll join us for the Zoom coffee hour, which will take place after the service. Because August is a quiet month here at church, we don't have any additional announcements to offer you this morning. But please, again, check our weekly e-newsletter, e e The Flame, to stay up to date on all the events that are happening at the church. So I invite you to center yourselves into our worship this morning by singing our meditation on breathing. The words are found in the order of service. You can listen to our song leaders. If this is your first time singing it, you can join in after they've sung through a few times. Let us come together in worship. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love when I breathe in. I'll breathe in peace when I breathe out. I'll breathe out love when I breathe in. Also printed in your order of service is our covenant, followed by our sung doxology. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Oh, that's 
recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of these three such places of suffering and struggle. As we have since July of 2019, for those lives held and those lives lost in federal custody in our detention camps, for the mounting trauma to children separated from their families, for all people held without charge in less than transparent or humane circumstances, in this repeat of the most shameful chapters in our nation's and our world's history of xenophobia, racism, and greed, we ring the gong seven times for this week of days in which human dignity has been dismissed and our responsibility for that as citizens of this country. And again, for the losses this week due to COVID-19, this last week, 65,208 people died of COVID-19 globally, 3,102 in the United States alone. We hold in our hearts all of these losses, each one of those people precious and worthy of health and safety. We ring our gong once more to remember that 76 years ago, on August 6th and 9th, the first two atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. These two events remain the only use of nuclear weapons in armed conflict in the world. We wish to acknowledge the horrific and ill-conceived misery and death inflicted on millions of innocent victims by those actions, and we affirm our belief in the dignity and worth of human life wherever it is, and the need to be vigilant and ready to oppose unjust violence wherever it occurs. So much to remember and hold. May we keep those we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can. We gather this morning from across the country, the bay, scattered corners of our state, our country, and beyond. While physical distance separates us, we sense the presence of one another here and now, as if our hands were stretched out and fingers touching. Feel the gentleness of your breath your body relaxed and at ease. Notice the sounds around you, the one who sits close by, or the birds outside your window, the noise of your neighbors, 
the rustle of wind, or maybe the waves, the purr of a cat, the dream of a dog nearby. Feel yourself sink into this space, this time, this being present to the moment. In this slow bend of summer, we pause to live up, lift up what is resting on our hearts, to name our joys and our sorrows. We hold in our hearts the firefighters across the West who work tirelessly, tirelessly to tame the flames. And we pray for the Earth's healing and recovery. This morning, I offer the words of poet John Daniel, a prayer among friends. Among other wonders of our lives, we are alive with one another. We live here in the light of this unlikely world that isn't ours for long. May we spend generously the time we are given May we enact our responsibilities as thoroughly as we enjoy our pleasures. May we see with clarity, may we seek a vision that serves all beings. May we honor the mystery surpassing our sight. And may we hold in our hands the gift of good work and bear it forth whole as we were born forth by a power we praise to this one earth, this homeland we all love. Join me now in a time of silent reflection. Amen.
high school friend's house 
He asked me if I'd like to see his mother's special hobby. Sure, I said. He reached into a closet and carefully pulled out a large black lacquered box. Then he slowly slid the top back. All I saw was a bed of green leaves that reminded me of bay trees. But then as he held the box for me in the quiet, I could hear them before I could see them. A soft munching sound that drifted up from the leaves. Silkworms. Wow, I thought, uh, what's that like? Day in and day out, munching on green mulberry leaves in a cool, beautiful box. You look around and you're surrounded by your brothers and your sisters, friends and colleagues, munching away. It's so peaceful and reassuring. Then one day, while munching on all those delicious leaves, something shifts. They just don't taste the same. Whoa, I never noticed that before. And just like that, you can't unnotice it, and things begin to change. My friend told me that at the right time, the worms form a translucent chrysalis, and that right before your eyes, you can witness their transmutation from worm to pupa. If you know what you're looking at, you can see them change. It sounded beautiful and horrifying all at the same time. Is that really true? I thought. Where's a sixth grader when you need one? I, I do think it's possible to see change happening. I can feel it. For me, this is no ordinary time. I move through my days with different energy, a kind of urgency. No longer do years stretch before me, incomprehensible in their length. Today, I can almost feel the hours slipping through my fingers, no matter how tightly I cut my hands. Today, I feel a little like I'm in my own chrysalis, my own in-between time, undergoing my own transmutation. My clothes don't fit the way they used to. I don't like my shoes. My neck no longer smooth and supple. And I can't make it the same anymore. The familiar sights and sounds, they just don't soothe like they used to. And I can't control any of it. And I hear a stirring amongst my brothers and my sisters, friends and colleagues. They know it too. A season has shifted and a different time is coming. You know, there's a lot going on in that box, my friend told me, as he slid the top back on. And you have to keep the leaves fresh or the worms die, he said. My mom told me that. Last week, I was staring out of a big picture window up at a beautiful sky turning from blue to orange and deepening into twilight. A tangle of wires crisscrossed my view, and in the distance, a jetliner twinkled by. If I stay here much longer, I thought, I'll be in total darkness. Do you need some light? My husband, Bill, asked. No, 
Not just yet, I answer. They say all good things come to those who wait. Well, I'm waiting, and something inside me tells me if I'm going to make a difference in my life, I'm the one who has to make that difference. But right now, in this moment, I'm waiting. And then I remember what my friend said to me so many years ago, that there's a lot going on inside of that box, Richard. And I think I understand now what his mother knew then. Keep the leaves fresh, Richard. Your time is coming. This morning's offering will go to support the work of Save the Bay, an organization founded in 1961. Save the Bay's mission is to protect and restore San Francisco's bay for its people and the wildlife uniting the Bay Area to create a clean and healthy Bay. As climate change and pollution threaten our Bay, Save the Bay leads initiatives to make our region sustainable for future generations. To make a donation for this special offering, please click on the donation button and choose the special offering button. If you would like to send a check, please make a notation that your gift is to support Save the Bay. This morning's offering will now be gratefully received.
morning is from the book Swimming to the Top of the Tide, Finding Life Where Land and Water Meet by Patricia Hanlon. Patricia and her husband live in Essex, Massachusetts, along the Great Salt Marsh and Estuary, 25,000 acres of barrier beach, dunes, salt marsh, and water bodies from Cape Ann to Salisbury, Massachusetts. Over the course of a year, Hanlon and her husband swam the estuary, exploring, learning the ways of the estuary and the creatures who call it home, its cycles and patterns, discovering the vibrant energy of a place where two ecologies blend, jostle, and bring forth new life. She writes, sometimes you can swim with the current to the top of the tide, to the pause between flow and ebb. The water will begin to cover all but the top floor or so of the cord grass. Our body is suspended in the green gold as hayflex swirl slowly all around you. The water no longer feels like water exactly. It could be air, clouds, a gel. This is what the tide turning looks and feels like when you're in it, and it's not just a metaphor. You're at the apex of a bell curve, rendered in tide logs at the height of an inhalation, a pause, a holding of breath, and then the beginnings of a long six and a half hour exhalation, or more accurately, the apparent pause, the earth is still turning and gravity is still pulling. So what happens with the tide is not a full stop. But in that one spot, and that, all, that is all a body can inhabit at one time, you experience stillness. The horizon circles you, the jet trails arc. You are freshly aware of what is always the case, that your body goes about its business on a curved surface.
One way to think about ordinary time comes from the liturgical calendar. It represents the weeks between the end of Christmas season and the beginning of Lent, as well as the weeks following Pentecost Sunday and the first Sunday of Advent. Ordinary time, according to those who follow it, is the period in which the faithful live not in feasting or penance, but in watchfulness and expectation. In her poem, The Ordinary Time, Dana Littlepage Smith directs our attention to creatures and phenomena that belong to a more common understanding of the ordinary, the usual, the commonplace, what comes naturally, being in the day to day. Her poem invites us to find healing and affirmation by simply being present and by attending to the actors and the events of everyday life. The ordinary time. Goldfish in the horse trough nibble at morning's surface. They are not busy, they're breathing. The sparrow threading straw under the eave lifts whips of time to his mate's music. This is the opposite of busyness. Birds, even singing, can be the architects of our silence. Would you be healed by being? Then be here. Of course, that's obvious, isn't it? There is no other where. Last night, the horse laughing in the field grunted me to still standing. So I stood and listened after my friend went to bed, having asked me, without wheedling or pleading, can you make me feel not like a failure? I can't, I said but I can advise you to watch the wagtail drop from this eve like the plumb line of rain following. It doesn't fret about the minutia of rising. When needed, it rises. Little Page's poem directs our attention to the ordinary, birds building nests, horses laughing, fish nibbling, and see what arises in us, and even just for a moment, set aside our feelings of failure and frettedness, and allow ourselves to sink into the ordinary beauty that surrounds us. Think of the silkworm meditatively munching away on those mulberry leaves. I am not a strict follower of the liturgical calendar. My relationship to time and being is rooted in the seasons, the slow turning of summer to fall, fall to winter, winter to spring and back again. The seasons offer a standing invitation to explore the ordinary, to go deeper into the rhythms that each season brings. I've not had the pleasure of spending a year swimming in an estuary, but I have experienced this, the feeling of stillness that Hanlon describes, where I feel myself inhabited in time. 
No doubt you've had those moments too, aware of Earth's turning, gravity's pull, but somehow steeped in the stillness as you slowly circle through time. Now, Wendy and I just returned from a month on the East Coast, spending time on the Kennebec River in the little town of Bodenham, Maine. We spent our time observing the river, the tidal shifts and flow of the currents, the sunlight sifting through the trees and resting atop the wild rice growing in the water. Late afternoons, we listened to the distant thunder roll in. We kayaked and swam in the river, watched eagles and osprey fly and sturgeon six feet long jump in the river, from the river and then nosedive back in. Spending time on the river, life slows down and our days adjust to the tidal rhythm, the seemingly easeful inhalation and exhalation of the water. Over time, we settle in and sink down while riding the curve. Time had not stopped, but we grew still. I sat in my rocking chair, immersed in Hanlon's story. There is no absolute pause, she writes. Just, there is, just as, as there is no actual hiatus at the top of the tide but it's deeply ingrained in humans to seek out a still point in a spinning world. But these days, stillness seems hard to find. Instead of slowing down, we move at an accelerated pace. We are living in extraordinary times. Nature's rhythms ravaged by industrial, industrial proliferation and pollution, human greed and thoughtlessness. We are faced with fires, floods, droughts, heat, resulting in great poverty, human suffering, and a depletion of resources that exhausts our planet. Nature, it seems, has grown weary, tired of forgiving our trespasses. We know this is a time for action. We've known it for years, yet we often feel paralyzed. Part of our paralysis, I think, is the loss of our relationship to ordinary time. How might we find a still point, restore ourselves and our planet? Artists, I find, have a way of helping us look closer in and observe the extraordinariness all around us. On a rainy day, Wendy and I visited Slack Tide, an exhibit by painters Caroline and John Rufo. The two spent three months painting the intertidal zone on, of Popham Beach, one of the most beautiful beaches in Maine. The intertidal zone refers to the area that is covered and revealed as the tide comes in and out the moment of pause between high and low, when the water is without current or stress. The intertidal zone is an ecologically rich and precious littoral zone, meaning the zone between the high and the low marks of the tide. In the spring of 2021, the Rufos gathered their supplies and opened their senses to observe the paint and observe, to observe and paint. In their artist's statement, they write, 
We have all experienced the pandemic in different ways, but now that our part of the world is beginning to reopen, we want to pause and reflect, being caught up in the current of our lives. We have had an opportunity to examine our values relating to social justice, among other things, the environment, the need for spiritual retreat and recovery. We hope this show gives you a space for reflection, similar to the space that can be found on a long walk along the beach. The paintings capture the endless beauty found in the ordinary, a myriad of watery blues and soft grays and opalescent yellow swirling inside a clamshell. The varying moods of sky and water, two lonely beach chairs. A battered fence catches the sun, serrated light marks the spot in the sand. Tide and time move, but there is a stillness, and you feel yourself sink in. In the tension of the tide, be it ocean or tidal river or estuary, you find what the biologist Dorothy Bourse calls edge ecologies, the place where land and water meet. Things that happen in an edge ecology don't happen anywhere else. Borst listens and looks for the rich ecotones found in the edge ecologies, like salt marshes and tidal waters. These special places where the two households in a fertile live in a sort of fertile sort of tension. Here is more than two thirds of marine fish start their life. These watersheds are a gathering place, a commons, if you will, where life is formed and forming out of ordinary rock, mud, the comings and goings of salt and fresh water, the deep roots of cordgrass and other plant life, insect debris, leaf debris, discarded shells embedded in the soil comes the rich oozing and intermingling that holds life together. This is what Hanlon witnessed as she swam into the deep, wet womb of the estuary, leaving her feeling both redeemed and restored. These life-giving commons are essential to our planetary survival. They cleanse and protect. They procreate, building systems that sustain life. They literally hold us together. Think about this. Since colonial time, approximately half of the nation's salt marshes have been dredged, filled, and built upon. In our home state of California, we have lost between 75 to 85% of our original coastal wetlands. Without them, we lose the edge and the floodwaters rise. But there is still time. 
Whether you don a wetsuit to swim in the channels of a 25,000-acre estuary, pick up a paintbrush and head to the sea, or gently ask your husband to leave the light be while you watch the last brush of gold leave the sky. The invitation is the same. Step into a different relationship with time. Live in the still point, the slack tide. Gather at the edge of the great commons, even if it's just for a moment, and feel yourself part of creation. The more we sink into ordinary time, the better attuned and equipped we are to restore our planet and ourselves. Now, the work of restoration, be it personal or planetary, requires deep attention. Oakland-based artist Jenny O'Dell writes about deep attention in her book, How to Do Nothing. It was early 2017, shortly after Trump's inauguration and mere months since the horrific ghost ship fire where so many lives were lost. In the churn of these two events, she was asked to give a keynote talk on art and technology. I thought about what I could possibly say that would be meaningful in a moment like this, Odell writes. Without knowing what the talk would be, I typed how to do nothing. Shortly after, I decided to ground the talk in a specific place, the Rose Garden in Oakland, a five-minute walk from my house. I did that partly because it was the Rose Garden that I'd been brainstorming my talk, but I had also decided that the garden encompassed everything I wanted to cover, the practice of doing nothing, the architecture of nothing, the importance of public space and an ethics of care and maintenance. What happened in the garden was the beginning of an act of redemption and restoration. What Odell was healing from was what she calls repetitive injury of the spirit. The toxic stew of modern life, the impacts of technology that claim so much of our attention, political division and amplification, the structures that strip the earth bare, all in the name of progress. The cumulative cloud of capitalism left her depressed and completely depleted. Odell asked herself, what am I willing or able to refuse for the sake of restoring my humanity? The answer, try doing nothing. In Odell's Odyssey, she learns to seek out contemplative spaces, what she calls attention-holding architecture that nurture and feed body, mind, and spirit. For Odell, it was the Rose Garden. For me, it's the tidal rivers. For you, maybe it's the mountains or meadows, the open desert, or a deep dive into the sea. 
Sometimes all it takes is a gaze out the window where you catch the rise and fall of a swallow on summer's eve. Odell writes about the importance of bioregionalism, which is based on observation and recognition of what grows where and is rooted in the cultures of indigenous traditions that live close to the land. It teaches us how to appreciate the complex web of relationships and work to protect them. We learn to identify with place, weaving ourselves into the region through close observation and responsibility to the local ecosystem. Bioregionalism is another way we can learn to live in ordinary time. Faith communities share something in common with bioregions. They too should be, can be, and often are attention-holding architectures that seek to nurture the spirit and deepen connections. We are more than a social network. Rather, let's see ourselves as what Odell calls mesh networks, where the focus is deepening our attention and understanding to what holds us together and brings life forward. We need to immerse ourselves in stories and teachings of ancient and ordinary time, out of which the cord grass grows, the cord grass and the clams grow, the redwood takes root, and the slack tides continue to turn. The need for personal, spiritual, and ecological repair is now. It is time we stepped in to do the holy work of spiritual and ecological restoration. Let us begin by settling in and resting in the still point as we go round and round this extraordinary spinning world. May it be so.
hold on to this, the enduring of love, the persisting of hope, and the remembering of joy, the offering of gratitude, the receiving of grace, and the blessings of peace. Go in peace.
The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.